to News Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. Hi, it's Rose here. This week we're talking about the funeral of Prince Philip. What's been happening at the Suez Canal? A new recycling technology for single-use face masks and gowns. And lastly, a new campaign to increase funding for primary school libraries. Hi, it's Rose here. On Saturday, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh and husband of Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest following his death at the age of 99 on Friday 9th April. Over the past week, tributes to the Duke of Edinburgh have poured in from around the world, with many people sharing their stories and anecdotes of meeting Prince Philip. He had an incredibly interesting life and it has been fascinating to read about the impact he had had on people, his dedication to serve and his strong sense of humour. Coronavirus restrictions on crowds and numbers attending funerals mean the Duke's ceremonial funeral was much lower key than if it had happened in other times. Although the palace said this very much reflects the Duke's wishes and that the funeral would still celebrate and reflect a life of service. More than 730 members of the armed forces took part in the event, which took place on Saturday afternoon at St George's Chapel in the grounds of Windsor Castle. His coffin was draped in his personal flag, known as his royal standard, with his naval cap and sword placed on top. It was carried the short distance to St George's Chapel on a modified Land Rover, which the Duke himself helped to design. Princess Anne and Prince Charles made up the front row behind the vehicle, followed by Prince Edward and Prince Andrew. Prince William and Prince Harry walked either side of their cousin, Peter Phillips. Prince Harry's wife, Meghan, who was pregnant, was not able to make the trip from the US on a medical advice. It was the first time that the Duke of Sussex had returned to the UK since stepping down as a senior royal last year. Before the funeral began, a minute of silence was held across the country in memory of the Duke. Due to coronavirus restrictions, there was a limit of 30 mourners inside St George's Chapel, with the congregation wearing masks and socially distanced. During the service, the Dean of Windsor paid tribute to Prince Philip's kindness, humour and humanity during the ceremony. A very small choir of four people sang some very beautiful music. The Queen was dressed in black and wearing a black hat and face mask and sat quietly during the service with her head bowed down. I watched her funeral and thought it was a very beautiful and peaceful service, although it was very sad to see the Queen by herself. I thought how much she must be missing her husband, as she and Prince Philip had been together for an incredible 73 years. Hello, this is Zara. One of the biggest news stories over the spring holidays was about a giant container ship blocking the Suez Canal. Last month, the Ever Given, which was a ship about a quarter of a mile long, which is roughly the length of four football pitches, blocked the Suez Canal in Egypt after it was hit by a sudden strong wind. The wind made the ship's hut hit the bottom of the canal and it got stuck blocking the passage of more than 400 vessels which then had to wait there and could not pass. 
The Suez Canal connects the Mediterranean to the Red Sea, and it is the shortest sea link between Asia and Europe. It has been used to transport goods for a very, very long time. And in fact, today, 12% of all global trade travels along the canal. It took six days to free the ship, and more than 400 vessels had to wait to pass through the 120-mile canal. This week, Egypt announced that it will impound the giant container ship that blocked the Suez Canal until its Japanese owner pays $900 million, which is about £652 million, in compensation. The chairman of the Suez Canal Authority said that they were claiming this figure because of the losses that it has suffered as a result of the grounding of the vessel. Both sides are still trying to agree a figure to settle the claim. In the meantime, the Ever Givens crew is still on board. I hope the dispute is settled soon and that the crew are soon able to go home and be reunited with their families. Hi, it's Laurie here. This week, BBC Newsland reported the creation of a new recycling technology which is able to convert single-use masks and gowns, which has been widely used during the pandemic, into reusable plastic. The technology uses special thermal heating machines to turn the materials into reusable plastic blocks of around a metre long, which are then redeveloped into a range of new products, including school chairs, bins and toolboxes. The machine works by squishing and melting down a material called polypropylene, which is widely used in plastic masks and gowns. The temperature of this melting process also sterilizes the plastic waste, getting rid of any bad or harmful germs. The company which developed the technology, called Thermal Compaction Group, says that five hospitals have bought the machine so far, and another 11 hospitals are due to receive it soon. Since the coronavirus pandemic began, tens of thousands of tons of single-use plastic waste has been created. It's estimated that 53 million single-use face masks are being used in the UK every day, which is the same as 55,000 tons of waste over the past 12 months. But by recycling single-use masks and gowns, plastic can be turned into new useful things instead of being thrown away. Hello, this is Isa. This week... Cressida Cowell, who is the children's laureate and the author of the How to Train Your Dragon series, called on the UK government to invest more money in primary school libraries. She has published an open letter to the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, asking the government to set aside £100 million to improve the school library provision. She noted that one in eight primary schools do not have a library. She said that before the pandemic, literacy was already a huge problem with disadvantaged children being about 11 months behind at school. And this figure is set to get worse after the pandemic. She wants funding for libraries to be guaranteed in the same way as it is for physical education. She said it's just as important as sport. It's about children's life chances. Children reading for joy is one of the two factors in children's future economic success. There will also be 
healthier and happier. She also said, how can a child become a reader for pleasure if their parents or carers cannot afford books and their primary school has no library or that the library is woefully insufficient? The letter has been signed by other former children's laureates, including Michael Rosen, Quentin Blake and Jacqueline Wilson, who all want the government to recognise how important a resource primary school libraries are. So, what have the government said? Well, the Department of Education said that they are investing £14 billion over the next three years, which they say will allow schools to invest in resources like libraries. I absolutely love books and I hate to think of children not having access to books. That is a very, very sad thought, so I'm glad to hear about this campaign. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed our show and thank you for listening.